Let us pray. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with life anew, that we may love all that you love and do what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a moment about someone who was or is a great witness of faith in your life. My guess is that it won't take long to identify one or more people who walked with you as a child or as a teenager or perhaps as an adult, teaching you about Jesus, about God's family, the church, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the reason I'm confident that I know those people are out there is because you are sitting here today. The writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. From Abraham and Moses, Rahab, King David, Jeremiah, and all the prophets. Faithful people who lived and died in God's world in God's embrace. So this list includes, by implication, your grandfather, your aunt, your godmother, your professor, your neighbor, perhaps the person sitting next to you right now. That great cloud of witnesses is made up of all the people who live and move and have their being in this great story, God's story, that we are a part of. Who in particular stands out for you as a witness, a witness to God's power of love and redemption, forgiveness and mercy? These are the witnesses close to us, the ones we carry in our hearts, family and friends, quiet ones, perhaps, that we are privileged to know personally. The fire of their passion for God or for justice, for their children, for the environment, burning in their hearts and shared with us around the hearth at home or perhaps around a campfire or a beautiful fire on the beach on an August evening. Let's take a minute in silence to give thanks to God for their lives, for the witness they shared or continue to offer in the world, for the sacrifices they made, for the sacrifices they and we may be called to make for the sake of the gospel. We also know that there are very public witnesses who boldly proclaim God's truth, lighting fires that illumine the dark places in our world, forcing us to see by the light of their fiery passion 
things we may not want to see, things we may not want to know. Fire that burns away the old blankets of comfort we cling to so tightly. People like Sister Helen Pregene, who has devoted her life to the eradication of the death penalty, befriending people on death row, and then being physically present during their executions as a witness to our common humanity and as a way to accompany a person, a child of God, so that they are not alone at the moment of their death. Sister Helen says the death penalty is one of the great moral issues of our times, yet few of us ever think much about it, nor know enough to make an informed opinion. She lights a fire about justice and what it means to be a human being in community and our responsibility to one another in God's eyes. You've heard me speak before about Brian Stevenson, a lawyer who was the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative and more recently the creator and director of the Legacy Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. Stevenson writes, the United States has done very little to acknowledge the legacy of slavery, lynching, and racial segregation. As a result, people of color are disproportionately marginalized, disadvantaged, and mistreated. The American criminal justice system is compromised by racial disparities and unreliability that is influenced by a presumption of guilt and dangerousness that is often assigned to people of color. Stevenson has devoted his life to reforming the criminal justice system and to burning away the ignorance and false narratives we have used to shield ourselves from the history of racial inequality in our country. And of course, all of you know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who at the end of his ministry was working for peace and the end of war, for economic equality for all people. He illuminated with fiery speech a vision of God's kingdom on earth that went beyond race. So big was the fire he lit, he was killed. In the past several weeks, the New York Times launched a series of articles entitled The 1619 Project, which seeks to show us through a myriad of voices that these matters began as early as the year 1619, when the first boatload of slaves arrived on the shore of what we now call Virginia. An event not well known by most of us, as it is, very, is a very different birth narrative than the familiar Christopher Columbus story or the Plymouth Rock story. But it may be the first spark which lit the flames we are experiencing today in a world of division and flame-throwing. So here's the question. And this is why this is so hard. 
When is fire illumination? And when is it destruction? That is the crux of the challenge in today's very difficult gospel. Jesus tells us, I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Fire. A dangerous and primal element. Remember back at Pentecost, the disciples were lit by fire with flames over their head. And that was the fire of the Holy Spirit hovering and energizing their hearts for mission. But when we look around today, there is fire all around of a different sort. The distinction, the distinction between fire that destroys and fire that refines and purifies is a matter for very careful living, for deep, deep humility and a lot of prayer. Our current political divisions are like campfire sticks being rubbed together. Two sides rubbing together and the sparks are flying all the time. Hateful white supremacist rhetoric heating up. Political leaders who pledge to protect and defend all of us are in fact inflaming the bigotry and the hatred. Blowing on the fires which many see as destructive. But listen to this, but which some people see as refining. Do you follow me? This is why we are in such a terrifying time. And this is why we need to listen to Jesus. Why we need to go to the scriptures again and again with humble and open hearts. Now, the example that Jesus uses to talk about division in today's text is the image of households being divided. In the context of his day and the context of Luke's listeners, the household would have been the primary economic and social institution. One's family and one's patriarch, that was the stable unit of society the place of security. So when Jesus, when we hear Jesus say this today, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is our place of security? What is that stability that we cling on to? I think he means some of these things. Things and institutions and ideas to which we cling. They may be false hopes, false hopes for stability and protection, greed, money, intolerance, fear of the other, selfishness, complete disregard for the gifts of the earth, systems that we have built as a society to keep us separate from one another, systems which trap people in poverty, 
those false idols of money and privilege, the sin of not understanding that we are all one family, God's family. We will be divided, he says, and we are. About these matters, Jeremiah says God's word is fire. So when Jesus brings fire, he's going to burn all of those things away. All of that false sense of security. Aren't you glad I'm the one up here instead of you? This is a really, really difficult text. But we must listen. I didn't sleep much last night. And I hope maybe you won't sleep much tonight. We must listen because the Bible texts, all of them, all of them, the word of God, cohere. We do not pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. The Bible is one big story. It's our story. Filled with the great cloud of witnesses. We're them. It's not just those people from before. It's us too. It's one story filled with the unfailing love and mercy that is ever present to us. In the triune God. It's the one story that's filled with the words of the prophets. And it's also filled with the very hard truth that when Jesus said these words that I read a few minutes ago, when Jesus said those words, he was headed to Jerusalem to be killed. He saw the signs of his times and he wants us to see too to pay attention to follow him to listen to him to turn our eyes and hearts toward the kingdom vision when she was encouraging those discouraged people in her sermon to the Hebrews, the preacher says, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us is our world, our time, these issues, these sins, the pain, the brokenness, the division. That's the race. Easy to see why people wouldn't want to run. But there's good news. There's good news. There's always good news. And the good news is that we are part of a God who is nearby, who is with us all the time. And when we run, when we live, out in front of us is Jesus, the pioneer of our faith and the perfecter of our faith. And he perfects us 
here at the table by feeding us with his body and blood every week. And this fire, this dangerous, dangerous, scary fire, his fire, not the fires that we set, but his fire is the refining fire. Remember what John the Baptist told us. He said, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Baptism by fire. This is a refining fire that changes us. Like a glass blower working with molten glass, Jesus comes to bring that fire which molds and reshapes and renews and changes us and changes the world. Shaped in his image, fed by his body and blood, breathed upon by the Holy Spirit, may we submit to this God's refining fire. And then, then we will walk by the light of Christ and no other. The end of the service today, we will sing hymn number 490, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. Perhaps a favorite among you. It has a sweet, sweet little tune. But make no mistake, I hope that you hear the words and sing the words today with fire in your hearts. Welcoming God's refining fire. Because God's refining fire is his love for us. We are refined by fire and by love. Amen.